Oh boy, he's back again. Just when you thought you got rid of him, just like a fungi. Fungi. I just keep coming back <clears throat> for more, for everything. It's me. It's me. It's Mario. No, it's Lee Jackson, America's finest watchman, here with you again on a beautiful day. Talk about watches, watches, and more watches. Today, I have a special treat. We're going to talk about watches, repairs, what it all means, the whole nine yards. You're going to get some fantastic info. So sit down, strap in, get ready, because here we go, baby. Look out. I'm going to talk about watch adjusting, uh, what a COSC means. The certification, what positions mean when you're timing, the whole, everything. I'm going to tell you so much. Okay. All right. Sorry. I'm having too much fun. Cool it with the fun. Too much fun. Okay. So let's talk about watches that are unadjusted. You ever open up a watch, you look at the movement, it says adjusted to this many positions, or it says unadjusted which means the watch was produced without undergoing any testing and adjusting from the factory. So it was tested in no positions, which is BAD. Um, not good. So let's talk about what does it mean when it's adjusted into six positions, which is really good. Um, the reason is because multiple positions, the force of gravity plays a, plays a role in a watch's accuracy. In other words, a gain or loss in energy transmission occurs depending on the position of the balance wheel. So your mechanical timepiece performs differently, has different rates of accuracy based on how it's worn or placed on a table. That's why accuracy is calculated as an average of these positions. Now, what the hell does that mean? I know. Those of you that know all this, good luck. Those of you that want to learn, here's what it means. As you go through the day and your arm, the watch is on your arm. You're moving in different positions. Your arm's going one way, another way. They check the watch for different positions because that's how it's going to be used. It's not going to be laid on a table and left flat. It's going to be on your wrist. Therefore, it's going to be upside down. It's going to be sideways. It's going to be everything. So they check it in different positions because watches run differently in different positions. Really great watches newer that are adjusted and cleaned properly should run really good in all positions. But that's not always the case. When you get to older watches, like the antiques, the really old ones, sometimes they will run good in one position and bad in another. Like, like in one way, it's too fast. Another way, it's too slow. Sometimes that evens out. So I used to get these really old watch movements and my guy would say to me, don't look at the timing machine because it's not going to give you an accurate representation at all. Don't do that. What you need to do is you need to look at how it runs when you're wearing it because that's the most important thing. How does it run when you're wearing it? Duh. Duh. That's very important, isn't it? So here's the real positions that they test for. These are six positions. If your watch movement says uh, tested in three positions, that's not six, it's three. It means it's a lesser grade of watch. They don't test it as thoroughly for how accurate it is. Doesn't mean necessarily it's a bad watch or it's not accurate. They just don't test for it. Okay, so here's the six positions for a really great watch to be tested for. Number one, dial up, then dial down. Crown up, crown down, crown right, crown left. Think about it. They're all different ways of running it. Uh, you can also test in halfway crown up and halfway crown down. 
Now, if you are a COSC chronometer, which is certified to be the best time for its class, is only going to be tested in five positions, not six. Why? I have no idea. So what you do is you use a timing machine. You secure the watch to the microphone stand and rotate the watch in all of the various positions to see the difference of the rate in each. Check out the watch timing machine below, which is exactly the one I just bought, which I'm going to talk about too. So let's talk about that. Uh, I just bought a new timing machine because my vibrograph, which I recommend highly, finally died. I mean, they're old. They're from the 70s. They have parts you can't even get anymore. Now, yes, you can send them back to Switzerland. That's where they come from to be fixed. I've done it before. It cost me a lot of money. The thing ran great. But remember, these machines are 50 years old or so. And they use a thermal tape where they make their little patterns and dots and so on. The newer machines have a little TV type LCD readout where you can see the line going across. You don't see a piece of paper. Now, the better ones, you can hook a printer to it. They have a special printer you can buy and you can print it out on a tape just like you saw from the old vibrographs. Now, I just bought this one. It's called a Weishi, W-E-I-S-H-I. And it is a 1900. The lowest is a thousand. I went with the 1900 because it's a bigger screen, has different lines, different things on it, tells you more. And I don't know the difference in, in reality because I never used the 1000, but I've got the 1900. I'm very pleased with it. Number one, when you use a timing vibrograph, which is the mechanical kind, it's electronic and mechanical together. It has to be adjusted to the beat of the watch. How fast does your movement go? How fast does it beat? 19,800, 18,000, 28,800. You know, there's all different beats. The faster the beat, the more accurate the watch. So you're not going to see high beat watches, 28,800 to 36,000 beats per hour until you get into the 70s and 80s. The original beats were 17 or 18,000. Now that sounds like a lot, but when you start to see on a vibrograph, the dots are spaced much closer, the faster the thing beats, and you can adjust it more minutely, more microfine, so you get a much better result. So newer watches like Etta's and Salita movements, they go at about 28.8, which is a very good, accurate um, spec. Works really well. So that's kind of what I would be looking at. Now, I got this 1900. All I have to do is turn it on. Put the watch in the microphone, it automatically adjusts for the beats per hour. With a vibrograph, you got to push buttons. And my old one was a little wacko. So I'd have to push the buttons and wait and push more buttons and keep pushing. And all of a sudden, I'd see a line come out. I don't know what it was warming up. Who the hell knows? And yes, it's solid state before you ask. They did make them also with tubes, but who wants that? Uh, I looked the other day at vibrographs used they're between two and four hundred bucks now is it worth it well i like a vibrograph very much i've used them for 30 years 40 years they work great um they have to be adjusted properly you have to have the right tape in them you have to have the watch sometimes you put the watch on the stand and the microphone in the stand doesn't pick up the beat well and you have to move it around and there's times you got to play with a little bit uh, i will tell you this wishy thing works fantastic. 
not only do you see a line that shows you if it's going across straight or up or down, because what it means is when it's going across straight in the middle, it's keeping perfect time. If it's going up or down the line, you can see it's gaining or losing. Now with the vibrograph, you have a little scale that you can turn on top of the tape as it's coming out of the machine with the lines. And if you line up this little disc that has lines on it to the line coming out on the tape, it will tell you how fast or slow it's running. 10 seconds, 30 seconds, fast, slow, whatever. You can adjust it, just look. So you're kind of doing it by eyeball. It's not perfect. The electronic timing machine, the Wishi, tells you on a little readout, plus or minus how many seconds a day. Tells you exactly. Tells you amplitude error, beats per hour. Tells you all kinds of information you do not get from the vibrograph. So at a glance, you don't even have to look at the little line. It just tells you it's going faster, slow, this faster, this slow. It's great. I was very impressed. Now, one thing I will tell you, whenever you time a watch, you have to wind the watch fully. I don't care if it's automatic. I don't care if it's manual. Quartz doesn't count. You must watch wind the watch because that's when it's going to be the most accurate, when it's fully wound. The spring is completely compressed and is giving as much power as it's possibly going to get. That's where you adjust it. That's where you read it. That's where you do all your work. Okay. Okay. So I have this electronic one. Um, I put some newer watches on it. Ran fantastic. The only thing is I would like the tape to kind of look at it. Cause once you turn it off, you lose that little line, but it tells you plus or minus whatever. So I'm very impressed before you ask, it costs about 200 bucks, this machine and it's brand spanking new. So I should get a lot more out of it than if I were to buy a used vibrograph that could die at any moment. So I've retired the vibrograph and I put this 1900. Now they do make better models than the 1900, but do you need it? I've seen them where they calibrate quartz to, I'll tell you how accurate your quartz watches and vibrograph itself from Switzerland did have a machine cause I had it that gave you the accuracy of quartz told you how accurate is this quartz watch? Is it running properly or not? So you can get either or. I'm very impressed with this Wishi. It's smaller. I mean, the Vibrograph is a big, heavy thing. And this thing's a little bitty thing with a heavy microphone stand. And the microphone stand has a spring in it. And it pulls back where you lay the watch in and then it grips it. Just like the Vibrograph. The same sort of thing. Um, you can put a pocket watch in there. You can put a lady's watch. You can put a big watch, small watch. It, it, they all work. So, so far, I've looked at two watches through this new machine and I'm very impressed. I really am. I like it very much. I recommend it highly. You can get them on Amazon. They're delivered in a day or two and they don't cost very much. I would caution you don't buy from China if you can, even though these are made in China. The only reason I'm saying that is because it's going to take forever to get here. Whenever you buy from China on any of these websites and it comes from China, it takes a while. So uh, do we really want to do that? You know? Okay, so let's talk about uh, movements, shall we? I'm going to talk about some in-house movements um, or some out-of-house movements. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, it means do they make their own movement? Okay, very interesting. I've always said that watches... If they make their own movement, that's a biggie. That is a real biggie. Do they make their own movements? 
Good question, eh? Good question. Do they make their own movements? The better companies make their own movements. But when it comes to chronographs, most of them don't. I mean, today, they might. So here's the companies that do make their own chronograph movements. Now, these should not be... They shouldn't be taken from something else. And I'm looking at the list. And most of these companies do make their own movements. Because... The reason I'm bringing it up is because they could buy a movement, say an Ada movement or a Salita, and then change it or a Valjou or something and change it and say it's mine and put my name on it, make it look a little different. But the list I'm about to tell you are all the companies that do make their own in-house chronographs. And I can, and I'm talking about movements and I can give you the calibers. Maybe I will. Okay. Let's go down the list. A long and son. They make their own caliber. Duh. It's a $200,000 watch. Automorse Paget makes their own. The caliber is 4,400. Blanc Pond does an F385. And Blanc Pond, by the way, owns Frederick Piquet, who's one of the best movement makers there is. I mean, Audemars uses it. Paddock, Vacheron, you name it. But they're not putting them out anymore. Blanc Pond bought the company, and they're not allowing anybody to uh, get their movements anymore. So, like, I have a Chopard that has a Frederick Piquet base movement in there and it's really high grade really high end so if you can find watches that have a frederick piquet movement they will not be marked frederick piquet by the way they'll be marked with the name of the company that put it out like automars or whatever but if you can figure it out those are really really good so breitling uses uh they use eta movements in their regular watches but in their chronographs they have two calibers now i don't know if they're derived from something else but the calibers are 801 and 804. Bulgari, which now is Gerald Genta, also makes their own caliber, v, BVL 318. Cartier has their own. 1904 CHMC. Chopard has their own. Uh, 03.05.M. Frederick Constant, which is not a real expensive watch company, makes their own FC 760. Gerard Perigot is one of the finest watch companies there is, makes their own caliber 3,800. Glashute makes their own. Even Hublot, and this is a new development. This is something that has just taken hold. Years ago, most of these companies didn't make their own movements. But people like you and me are getting smarter and smarter and go, oh, wait a minute, why should I buy an ETA movement that says, I don't know, for example, you know, Cartier, when I want Cartier to make the movement? I'm paying a lot of money for this. So, bowing to pressure, a lot of these companies are now making in-house movements. IWC makes their own, which they have for a long time. Jaeger LaCultra, they make a lot of in-house movements. They have a JLC 751. Omega now makes their own. They used to use Landeron and Lamagna. Not anymore. And those were good chronograph movements. Panerai makes their own. Parmigiani Fleurier. Paddock makes their own. CH29535PS. Piaget now makes their own. Rolex, of course, started making their own. Remember, for many, many, many years, Rolex did not make their own chronograph caliber um, movement. They used a Zenith El Primero, which is an excellent movement. And then finally, they started making their own. Now, they made regular movements, but they didn't make chronos. Seiko, of course, makes their own. Tag Heuer is now making their own. They used others. They used Valjou for many, many, many years. They have two calibers, 01 and 1887. Ulysses Nardin is now making their own, UN150, and they were another one, used other people. Vacheron, 
3,300, they have their own. Zenith, of course, the El Primero. So those are the movements for companies that in chronographs that make their own movements. Now, they may also have other movements, too. We don't know. Uh, we really don't know. So we're going to go from that to something more exciting. Let's go to ETA movements. I like ETA. Everybody likes ETA. Uh, from what I hear, ETA is not putting out movements for everybody anymore. They were the biggest supplier of movements of anybody, and they're not doing it anymore. We've got to take a quick break. So please don't go anywhere. I need you. Boy, do I need you. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Oh, yeah, baby. Ooh, yeah. Watches, 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 more watches, fun watches. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So much for that break. All right, let's go back. So, okay, so ETA is an interesting company. It's not really called ETA. It's E-T-A. And if you want to know who makes ETA, because they've been around for so long and nobody really thinks about it. Who makes them? Look at the letters. E-T-A. Okay. And if you spread them out, try E-T-E-R-N-A. Fits in there, doesn't it? E-T-E-R-N-A. So Eterna is the one that came out with Eta Movements. And they came out in the 70s, I'd say, and then became really big. And everybody uses Eta until they took them off the market. They made, I'm trying to remember what the deal was. They had to make them available for other manufacturers. I forgot why. There was a reason. And they did. They made them available. And everybody used them. Now I'm told now that ETA is off the market. They're not letting them out like they did because I guess the time frame is up or something where they don't have to anymore. So they don't. So all these companies that use ETA movements and you're probably thinking, how good is ETA? How good is it? You know, why would I want an ETA versus, I mean, I have books and books of different movements. There aren't as many as there used to be. There used to be a lot of movement makers like A-Shield and Pizzou. I mean, I could name, name a lot. And they were pretty good. But when you get up to the level of like, um, I don't know, Vacheron or something like that, it can't hold a candle to it. So then Etta came along and started putting out their movements, and they were much better quality than the others. That's why if you buy a watch today, a lot of times the movement in it is going to be an Etta. I don't care if it's pre-owned. Newer, you're not going to find as many ETA, but there's a replacement for ETA, which I'm about to talk about. Let me talk about ETA first, though. So ETA became big. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I've got at least three, four, or five watches that have ETA movements with different names on the dial. And every single one of those watches runs great. I don't have any problems with them. They keep accurate time. I bang them around. They really run good. ETA's very good. So my opinion, if you want ETA versus a really expensive one, I would give an ETA, say a really expensive movement like a Vacheron or something is a 10. I'd probably give an ETA a 9, 8 to 9, because they have different grades of ETA. And I'm about to go over that. 
So let's talk about the grades of ETA movements. Now, there is no real way to look at a movement and see exactly what it is. You can see between standard and elaborated, or they call it elabore, because the standard has no kind of decoration on it whatsoever. It's just plain looking. When you get to the elabore, you start to see more decorations, little, little uh, like metal, I don't know, what would you call it? They're like, they decorate them. They put little marks on them and they fix them, make them look fancy and really nice. Just means they're more accurate because more time has been put into the tolerances. So that's two. There's standard, which is probably what the cheapies buy. And then they run around and say, look, I haven't had a movement, but it's not as good as your elabore. There's four levels. There's standard, there's elabore, top, and chronometer. So let's go through them. Standard is adjusted to two positions. This is for the 2824-2, which is the most popular of the other movements. So it is adjusted in two positions when we talked about this a few minutes ago. It has accuracy uh, between 12 seconds to 30 seconds a day, which is not so great, really. The elaborate is adjusted in three positions. And it has an accuracy of 7 to 20 seconds. So you're cutting down the, the from to part. And then the top is adjusted in five positions. And it has an accuracy of 4 to 15 seconds, which is really good. That's pretty damn good. If you could get your watch within that negative 4 to negative between 4 and 15 seconds a day, that's really good. Really good. Now, they also have a listing for a COSC movement, which I have in the Dubian Sheldon brand has the, the chronometer movement in it from ETA. And here's what it means. COSC is an acronym for Control Office Swiss to Chronometers. It's a Swiss testing institute that certifies the accuracy of precision instruments, a fancy way of saying watches, they're responsible for issuing certificates for watches tested in Switzerland that meet chronometer specifications in accordance with ISO 3159. Now, we're not talking about chronographs. Chronograph is a stopwatch function. Chronometer means a very accurate timekeeper, and it started on ships because they used it for navigation. Okay, so here are the requirements. The watch has to be Swiss made. The movement must keep time within an average of negative four to plus six seconds per day, which is really good. Tests are conducted for 15 days in five positions at three different temperatures. Remember, temperature, too, have, plays an, a, a uh, part in all this. Think about it. The metal inside the watch expands and contracts with the weather, especially the hairspring. It can change. That's why they use different materials now for the hairspring so it doesn't get affected by magnetism or heat or any of that stuff because that will mess up your time. COSC certified watches will often include a chronometer certificate. Some collectors simply refer to this as the COSC. The paperwork will have a number which should correspond to a number on the movement. Uh, you should try to match them, which is nice. So now you know what COSC is. So they have... How many levels of ETA or ETA, whichever you want to call it? They have standard. They have elaborate, which is like elaborate, top, and chronometer. Now, we just looked at the COSC specs, and they're very close to the top. 
but they haven't been checked by the, by the Swiss Institute that does these things. That's the real difference, in my opinion, between the top and the chronometer. The top could be as good as a chronometer, but it hasn't been checked. But they've checked it, the people that put it out, ETA. And it has an accuracy of plus or minus four seconds up to plus or minus 15 seconds a day. Think about that. If it's four seconds a day, that means after a week, it'd be 30 seconds off. It's nothing. Less than 30 seconds. That's really good. So that's very, very good. Okay, now let's talk about who all is in there now because ETA is kind of pushed to retiring. They, uh, I told you, they're not putting out the watch movements anymore for everybody. They've withdrawn a lot of them out of the market. So there was a company named Celita, S-E-L-L-I-T-A, made in Switzerland. They were making a lot of parts for ETA, for the ETA movements. And when ETA decided they were going to pack it in, Celita decided, well, you know what? We've made a lot of parts for it. We'll make the whole thing. So they've made new versions of ETA movements that are available to anybody. And here's their grades. Uh, they have four grades. They have standard, special, premium, and chronometer. Now, I have used some Salita movements, and I can't tell the difference. So they're very, very good. So their most popular movement is the SW200-1 or the 215-1. And they have, again, four grades, just like... Um, Etta. And they're good. They're very good. They have special, here's the difference between the grades. Here's one way. Their anti-shock device, which is something that sits on the jewel on the balance wheel. So if you drop the watch, it's not going to break like old pocket watches and old wrist watches used to do. In the, there's four grades. There's standard, special, premium, and chronometer. Uh, standard uses Novodiac, N-O-V-O-D-I-A-C, which I'm about to uh, try to explain it to you. Let's see if I can explain it. It looks like a four-leaf clover. It's Swiss made. It's uh, made by Inca Block. Hmm. So Inca Block makes a different different holder for that. So Nova Diac is a geometrical alternative for a functional economical spring system, free detachable spring, bayonet type attachment, no untimely unhooking. Noviac, Nova Diac is a competitively priced to meet your customer's needs. It looks almost like a four three leaf clover. It has a three prong spring. It has a cap jewel and end stones. It has a jewel shock absorbing lower block shock, shock absorbing upper block. Now, there is another anti-shock device produced by ETA called ETA-CHOC. And it is the same thing as a Novodiac. Same thing. They're just two different things, two different movements, but they're based on each other. So, very simple. Now, that's on the first two grades. That's on standard and special. And then you get to premium and chronometer, and they have an Inca block spring on their anti-shock, so that's different. 
Inca Block has been around forever, and it is a better system. It's on some of the more expensive pieces. Um, the palettes on the standard and special grade are poly rubies, which means synthetic. On premium and COSC grades, which is the chronometer grade, the palettes are red rubies, real rubies. So that's that's going to hold up better. Um, okay, so they all share these features. The escape wheels polished, epilami coated, and uses molybdenum disulfide. The pallet forks are polished. The balance wheel is gilt. The hairspring collet is nevatronic. The balance staff is epilami coated. And then finishing, you can see on the standard one, there's no finishing. It's very plain. You don't see lines. You don't see swirls. None of that stuff. Even on the wheels, they're not finished. But when you get to the better caliber, you start to see nicely done uh, finishing on everything. It really looks nice. Now, you can buy their movement and change it. That's what Maurice LaCroix does. They change it. Uh, it would be nice to be able to know the grades because what are you buying? You know, you really don't know. So this is my little primer on the grades of watches from Etta and Salita. And I thank you for watching and listening and everything else. You're so good. You're so smart. Listen to knowledge is power. Remember, this is Lee Jackson, America's finest watchman signing off. Thank you so much for listening. Ciao, everybody. See you later. <laughs>